0: Hello, fellow Capitals. Hope you're well. So what is it? What is the big news? What has not happened since the Great Depression? Showed it in the thumbnail. That would be M2 money supply actually decreasing. So let's get into this article and dig scratch beneath the surface here so we can determine if this is a big deal, if this is a nothing burger, or could it be a little bit of both? Let's go over to Zero Hedge. Credit crunch. The money supply has shrunk for eight months in a row. So... As we go through this article, you can see how unprecedented this actually is. Then I want to get into the nuance to determine whether or not this means that we're inevitably going into a recession that's going to look like the Great Depression. So money supply growth fell again in June, remaining deep in negative territory after turning negative in November of 2022. So, I mean, the first thing that I would ask uh, like a a person that's an inflationist is if I just showed you this chart of money supply, I'm not sure if they're using M2 or what metric they're using here, but uh, regardless, if I showed you this metric of money supply right here, you would tell me, or if you're an inflationist especially, you'd say, okay, there's gotta be consumer price inflation. I mean, that's almost hyperinflation there when we have that kind of year-over-year growth. So if you believe that that's going to create inflation, you've also got to believe that this is going to create disinflation, if not deflation. You can't have your cake and eat it too. And I've noticed a lot of people say, oh my gosh, this is going to create inflation. But yet they see this and say, oh, well, yeah, but inflation is still going to go up because oil is going higher (laughs) or or something like that. So it's kind of, they're cherry picking. But Would this inevitably cause disinflation or deflation? And if the answer is no, well, then we've got to go back and reanalyze this to determine whether or not it inevitably would create consumer price inflation. See where I'm going with this? It seems like it'd be straightforward, but it's not. So since April 2021, money supply growth has slowed quickly. Since November, we've been seeing money supply Repeatedly contract year-over-year, year, six months in a row. Last time, year-over-year, year, change in the money supply slipped into negative territory. It was 1994. At the time, negative growth continued for 15 months, finally turning positive in 1996, January. So, let's see here. With negative growth now falling near or below minus 10% for a third year in a row, for a third month in a row, excuse me, money supply contraction is the largest we have seen since the Great depression. So let me read that to you one more time here with negative growth now falling near or below minus 10% for the third month in a row. Money supply contraction is the largest we have seen since the Great Depression. Going back to this chart, it shows uh, this blue line, which is a number that the Mises Institute uses. I think Joe Salerno came up with it with uh Along with uh, Murray Rothbard, maybe if I'm not mistaken, and I just want to point out this article is on Zero Hedge, but it was written by Ryan McMackin of the Mises Institute. So what we really want to focus on, and it's an interesting metric where they include the TGA and they exclude uh, retail money market funds and whatnot. I'm not sure what their rationale is, but what we want to focus on here specifically is this gray line and. That's it, or by their metric, it's really going down for heaven's sakes. But uh, the, the gray line, I think, is what most people, especially in the mainstream media, will think. Of. Oh, yes, and by the way, they are using M two money supply for that metric. And yes, that was developed by Murray Rothbard and Joe Salerno. So here's what I think they might be missing, or the author. Uh, very well written. You know, I'm I'm extremely sympathetic toward the Mises Institute. I like those guys. Obviously if I if I'd have to fall into one camp or one economic thought it would definitely be the Austrian School of economics although uh, there's quite a few of their kind of main pillars of their belief system that I would strongly disagree with, uh, especially their view of of interest rates but uh, for the most part you know I think they get the they get it right and obviously I like the fact that they're making it more about the individual than the state or the government but what we have to understand here uh, when we look at this number going down is just because M2 is decreasing, it doesn't necessarily mean that it's affecting the aggregate balance sheet. And that's really important. We've talked about that a few times on this channel, but it's worth exploring and getting into again. So what do I mean by that? Well, if the, uh, you know, if Joe Blow, let's say, is buying a treasury, with their savings, let's say they buy $100,000 worth of uh, treasuries, or excuse me, they sell $100,000 worth of treasuries, Then all of a sudden, uh, those treasuries would go off of their balance sheet, and then currency units, dollars, would go onto their balance sheet. But is it really that much of a difference? Because if it's just $100,000 in savings in the form of T-bills, or $100,000 in savings in the form of dollars, although it would increase M2 money supply, the net change really doesn't impact Joe Blow or the normie out there because they're most likely not uh, going to sell that treasury to put those dollars into checking so they can go out and buy groceries. Uh, Maybe, but most likely that person isn't going to be holding on to a lot of, of treasuries that they would trade for dollars. How can we have the overall money supply go down? Because let's say that, uh, that this individual, uh, well, let's just use the opposite in the fact, or a scenario where they actually buy treasuries. So that mean the savings going down, uh, that would go into the TGA. And then when the TGA spends that money, now all of a sudden that gets recirculated back into the economy. The, uh, the M2 money supply then would not change, but the aggregate balance sheet would be increased. OK, but let's assume for a moment that instead of the TGA spending that money back into the economy, let's say they go ahead and pay down existing debt or debt that's maturing on a balance sheet of a bank like the Federal Reserve. So if the Fed is doing QT, let's say, and the TGA sells that treasury, they take that money supply, M2 goes down, but it's still an asset On the Joe, on average Joe's balance sheet. So the aggregate balance sheet has not changed as far as the asset side. But Janet Yellen takes those dollars that she received from selling that Treasury, and then she takes those dollars, gives it to the Fed because they have a a bond, a ten-year Treasury, let's say that's maturing. Okay, well, once they do that, that money's gone because it doesn't. She's not spending that on a stimulus check, as an example, that would recirculate back into the economy and would create a positive M2 number, which is the exact same as M2 has decreased to start the transaction to begin with, right? So if the transaction starts, M2 goes down by 100,000, but then Janet Yellen spends that money back into the economy. Now we're at a net wash, where if that money leaves, the economy leaves Joe's checking account and then goes to money heaven because it's used to pay off debt on a bank's balance sheet, then all of a sudden M2 on net balance goes down. And, it, but what's weird there is if it's used to pay off maturing debt with a non-bank entity, then M two would be that same net balance or that uh, M two money supply. There would be no net change. So, and I know that's pretty complicated without a whiteboard video. So I apologize, but the bottom line here is we could see M two going down as a result of savings being exchanged for treasuries. And then that savings going to money heaven because it's used to pay off debt that's maturing on a bank's balance sheet. So the idea is that the M2 money supply is going down. Therefore, the asset side of the aggregate balance sheet is decreasing. People have less and less purchasing power. This is going to impact aggregate demand. And this is why you most likely going go into a depression that looks similar to the 1930s. That's kind of the argument. But again, my pushback would be... Mm, Maybe, maybe not, because it's not like people are super stressed out now because all of a sudden they don't have dollars when it's just been replaced by treasuries. Like as an example, for my model portfolio that I have for Rebel Capitalist Pro, I had $100,000 in there, but I traded those $100,000 for $10,000 worth of gold and $90,000 worth of T-bills. So am I super, super, super stressed out? That I don't have that those dollars anymore and I just have T-bills earning 5.5%? No, no. That's exactly what I wanted to do. But you could, based on what we were just talking about, you could see how that transaction could have decreased M2 money supply by $100,000. But it wouldn't be a big deal. What you really have to look at, and here's what I'm getting at, is you've got to look at the overall extension of credit. Because if credit is declining, then it is true. This M2 money supply drop could be, or likely would be, a result of the aggregate balance sheet decreasing, the assets of the aggregate balance sheet decreasing, because those uh, there were currency units that were used to pay off debt, and that debt wasn't being created moving forward into the future, and therefore, there, there was more debt being paid off than was created. I think that's the easiest way to say it. and And therefore, that could, or that likely would impact the overall aggregate demand. So if we look at loans and leases, we're pretty much flat here. Now you can say, oh, George, well, that's not that big of a deal. Uh, okay, so banks are on net balance. They're not really lending more or less. But when we look back at a max chart, you see when this number goes down, that's not good times. We see that number going down during the Cervasus sickness. And remember, was money cheap? Yes, but it was tight because the world was coming to an end. So therefore we have risk off with the banking system. Same thing during the GFC. We see it flatten out here pretty much during each recession. Although interestingly not, uh, enough, not much during the 1980s there. Well, bottom line is whenever you see that flat liner go down, that's not a good sign. So I would put far more weight on what this is doing, loans and leases, than I would with M2 money supply in and of itself. All right, guys, enjoy the rest of your afternoon. As always, make sure that you're standing up for freedom, liberty, free market, capitalism. See you in the next video.